You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable podcast, your go-to show for Catholic ministry shop talk. Episode 5, The Cost of Discipleship. Most people don't accept a job in Catholic ministry because they think it will make them famous or earn them millions. They do it because they want to serve God and serve others. But that doesn't make it easy. Tom and Alan confront that reality in this episode, sharing stories about how some of their toughest moments in ministry were when they felt closest to Christ. Welcome to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast. My name is Alan. I'm with Tom and Marisa in studio today. Welcome back, everybody, and happy 2017. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. It's 2017? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm doing great, Alan. It's great to be here with you and Marisa. Very good. Did you guys have a good holiday? Good Christmas? Good New Year's? Yes. Went back to Texas with the family, so that was great. Nice. A little warm. Uh, I think it was 75 degrees. Was it? Yeah. One year we had a white Christmas, and that was definitely the best Christmas of my childhood. Kids in Dallas always dream about that, but very rare that it actually happens. So not this year, though. No, not this year. How long? Have you you actually had a white Christmas once in Dallas. In Dallas. Yeah, I think it was five years ago. That's cool. So we saw, um, again, for our listeners, we we closed down the week between Christmas and New Year's. Um, Ascension doesn't, so it's a great time to... um, just kind of disconnect and, and know that, I don't know if you guys have this problem, but when I, if I go on vacation and the office is open and things are happening, it's, you know, still happening while I'm not there. And so I feel like I got to keep in touch with what's going on. I don't want to miss anything. Or am I going to get behind on? And I got to come back and I got to catch up. And so, and so it was great to have that week knowing that all of Ascension has essentially shut down. And so I'm not, I don't have to feel like I'm checking my email or whatever. You can really disconnect. But anyway, um, all that to say that during the break, I got a chance to go see um, Rogue One. Um, my family were all big Star Wars nerds. Um, our dog is named Chewbacca, and we're just you know kind of geeky like that. And um, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see it, but I, I really enjoyed it. It's it's really it was really well done. I thought. Have you guys seen uh, the movie? I have not. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Oh, I have wanted to. I really do. And all of my kids have seen it a couple of times and they've like, dad, you got to go. And for one reason or another, I just haven't because of fam with being spending time with my wife and that kind of thing. But I have been wanting to a ton because I am a big Star Wars fan like you. We have a little Shih Tzu dog that looks like a little Ewok, which we absolutely (laughs) love. I'm it's hilarious. You know, she's a black Shih Tzu, but I'll tell you, she looks like this tiny Ewok. but uh, so we don't have we didn't name her an Ewok, but uh, so I, I have not I have not seen that, and um, I am I'm really chomping at the bit to see it, Alan. I did see Passengers with um, Chris oh, Pat yeah. Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, which uh, you know, my wife and I uh, went and saw that on our anniversary. I'll have to watch it. What about um, it hasn't been released yet and, and widely, but Silence, um, the Martin Scorsese movie about. Uh, it's based on a true story about um, a Jesuit priest that went over to Japan, and I think it's oh gosh, I, I hope this is correct. It's in during like feudal Japan, I think, and um, he is 
uh, disappears, and some some people from his order, some other priests from his order, go looking for him, and um, you know some some uh, trouble ensues, you could say, and they're they're forced to uh, make some tough decisions as well. Like they have to decide whether or not to apostatize themselves or not, um, at the risk of their um, disciples being. Um, tortured and or killed, I believe. I haven't seen the movie nor read the book, but I believe that's what the uh, the premise of the movie is based on. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'd be interesting to hear what you have to say, uh, Marisa, but um, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see it. I've been waiting for it to come out down here. And I don't, I, I had read something that it actually was, is not a true story. So I, I have to do some more reading to find out whether it actually is a true story or if it's a, uh, you know, historical fiction. I, I'm not sure. But the whole, the whole plot of these two Jesuit priests traveling, you know, from Portugal to Japan in order to locate their, their really their mentor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Ferrara, uh, who apparently apostatized, uh, you know, uh, in, in the midst of being tortured. So the whole story is them going over there and trying to find their mentor and who they cannot believe would apostatize because he had given up so much. The cost of discipleship in his own life was so huge. He'd given up so much already to to live the faith that how could he apostatize? And so the whole story being that they go there into a um, really, really a death defying journey where, you know, in a place where Christianity is outlawed, right? Mm-hmm. To try to find their mentor. So that whole story intrigues me. I mean, any of us that do ministry, I think we've all had a certain cost of discipleship that uh, we all each ha- have our own stories probably of what it takes to, in our own lives to, to not only live the gospel, but to, um, you know, be a, a modern day disciple. And so I am, I am very intrigued, um, Alan, to, to watch this. I've been looking for it and I've been, there were some a pre-screening that came out and I tried to get tickets to, it and I wasn't able to. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Hmm. So what do you think? Have you seen the trailer for that? And yeah, it? yeah, I, I saw the trailer. I mean, the trailer is incredibly powerful, and I've read a bit about um, the preparation for the movie. I know the two young Jesuit priests, the, the men who played the two young Jesuit priests, actually went through some kind of Ignatian exercises mm-hmm. in, in preparation. And they one, I think the main character went on a silent retreat for a good number of time and or a good number of days. And, and so I kind of wonder what that the impact that that had on them as they went through the filming process. But the, the trailer just in and of itself is just incredible. You see this intense suffering of the Japanese converts. And in our lives, it's so easy to be Christians. You know, it, it's, it's, there's, there are costs, but um, unless you're consciously em- embracing those costs, you know, it, it just pales in comparison. Yeah. I, I'd like to hear um, a little bit about your growing up with your parents in ministry, you know, being in and had an effect that I had on, on you and myself in ministry with with children. It's always been a challenge to, um, you know, my primary vocation is husband and father. And there were days where that was just a real struggle of not wanting to let down the family, not wanting to let down um the ministry at church and, and, you know, really wrestling the two. And I felt like at, at times, and I think, I think this was a little bit of just the spiritual battle going on, but I felt at times like I was not doing either one very well. You know, like I felt if I was at home, I felt like I haven't done enough with the teens. And if I was at church doing something, I haven't been at home enough. And I was always kind of felt like I should be doing the other. 
Um, and I think that's just Satan kind of, you know, trying to get in there and weasel his way in and, and cast out and other things. But, um, um, for me, the cost of discipleship, one of the biggest struggles, um, for me was, um, just the the lack of income. (laughs) Um, you know, you don't make a lot of money working for the church. Um, shocker. Uh, And, um, and so there were days where, especially living in Atlanta and Alpharetta where like the 1%, you know, live. And so I'm in this little town home amongst these big homes and huge houses and very wealthy um, neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, there were days where I was just, you know, complaining to God and, oh, it's not fair. It's not fair. I'm, I give up all this and I got to, you know, live in this little town home and we didn't have a garage for our cars and, and that kind of thing. And, and I found myself <clears throat> when I would, when I would say to, to the Lord, it's not fair. What I'm really saying, what I really found myself saying was it's not enough because if I really wanted fair, then I would have even less because what I had really compared to the rest of the world was a lot. Like I'm in like the top 3%. I just happen to live in a place in the world where people even, even wealthier live. But in the rest of the, you know, globally, I'm like at the top 3% probably of, you know, I have running water and I have a, a roof over my head. I never have to go without food. And so, you know, and I've been places in the world where people are living in, you know, trash dumps. And they don't have that. They have to go find plastic bottles to sell to buy a bowl of rice for the day and, and, and children aren't going to school because they have to search through the the trash dump as well and that that's sort of a lifestyle and that's just their reality and i've been there to visit that but i get to come home to my indoor plumbing and my heater and my air conditioner and that kind of thing and so i found myself um just recognizing that when i'm saying oh god it's not fair what i'm really saying is oh god i want more like give me give me give me you know what i mean but there is a sense of um, that is one of the costs of discipleship working in church ministry is you just don't make as much money as the parishioners you're probably serving um, are making it a lot of times. So that is a just can be a struggle, you know, in a in a um, a reality for a lot of people out there. So true, and I I would like to hear uh, Marisa from your perspective as well, coming from a family being raised in that kind of family because I was not, but I've I've chosen that path like you, Alan. I have a I have six children, and so uh, they 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 know that lifestyle, and it's been hard for me. And I, I haven't seen any of them wanted to follow that same lifestyle. I mean, their faith is important to them, and you know who knows? One of them might become a youth minister, and you know, a whole variety of things. That they're all will be disciples in their own right, but not full time uh, right now. None of them seem to have a plan for full time ministry, um, and. I have fallen into the same dilemma as you have, Alan, because we live in a, in a, in a country where the, the, the socioeconomic class is fairly high. I mean, the middle class is a large group of people. So um, I oftentimes will compare myself. I think the way you explained that to me is very helpful. Thank you. That instead of saying this isn't fair, saying this isn't enough, and all of a sudden it puts everything into perspective. But I, I have – cried out to God on this issue many, many times, the cost of discipleship and, and what it costs my family. And yet uh, I want to tell you guys a little story that I regularly come back to because it has it helps me in these difficult times. I was uh, working for uh, an archdiocese years and years ago and uh, was not able to make ends meet. The money was not covering um, all of the expenses. At that time, we had four children and the fifth was on the way. And um, so I had to take up a paper route. 
at night. So from roughly every night from like two until five in the morning, I would get up, I would roll papers and throw them. And then I would go back to sleep for an hour and a half, get up and then go to work. And uh, it was interesting initially how, how that brought my wife and I together so closely. I mean, she would be um, bre- breastfeeding um, our fifth, fourth child. And, uh, you know, you'd hear the um, she'd hear the, our little the Subaru station wagon outside going down the road squeaking <laughs> as I would break in front of each house. And she'd get teared up and like, that's my husband out there. You know, taking care of our family. And so the first few months was sort of dreamy eyed. We were, there was a honeymoon experience of us giving ourselves to do the, doing this. And then as the months went on, it became very, very tiresome. I was always exhausted. I couldn't wait to get home so I could fall asleep for a couple of hours before, because I knew I'd be getting up and starting the paper out. And I was exhausted and I would be drinking coffee a lot during the day. And it, then it became a real, thorn in our side. And, and yet, you know, I, I, I needed to do this at that time to make ends meet. And, um, you don't get a day off. Uh, and I met many people, uh, who did this as part of their livelihood every day. And these were simple, simple people who became good friends to me because I, I, I sort of entrusted myself to these nighttime people who, you know, who were missing teeth and they were just very simple people. And this is how they, they live life. And I began to minister to them at night. And it was an interesting thing for me to go through. Uh, The point I'm going to make is this. My oldest son at the time, he was about seven. And almost every night at dinner, he would say, hey, dad, can I I throw papers with you tonight? And I'd be like, no, man. uh, No, Ben, you can't. I'm sorry. You, You can't. And you have homeschooling tomorrow. You can't do this. And next night, dad, can I, can I throw papers with you again tonight? And I'd be like, no, I'm sorry, you can't, son. You just can't. And this would went on for a long time. And one night I was exceptionally impatient because then I was dealing with the struggles of, of discipleship and life and all of this. And one day he said, Dad, can, can I go with you? And I, I blurted out, damn it, son, you can't go with me. Why do you keep asking so much? And my little seven-year-old son looked at me and he just said, because I want to suffer with you, Dad. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I just broke down, you know, just started crying. And like he could see something and he wanted to um, be part of this. He, he he wanted to help me in some way. So I mean, I'm getting choked up now just talking about it. I just can't help but not every time I tell this story. Well, guess what? That Saturday night, guess you got to go with me. <laughs> I got Ben up and that Saturday night he I got 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 him up and he went around with me and so then for the next couple of months right he on Friday night or Saturday night I would wake him up and he got to go with me it was a blessed time you know we we I took little candies I called it our power food and you know he learned how to throw out the window and it wasn't the safest thing but he'd be climbing all over the back throwing papers up to me so I could throw them out the window and then his little brother, who was five, wanted to go, and I, I let him come once, and that probably wasn't safe. And I have two little rugrats, you know. <laughs> and then their little brother, who's three, they're asking, "Can Cave come?" Can can so once, you know, I'm I'm a terrible parent. I let all three of my little boys. <laughs> I woke them up in the middle of the night, and they all rummaged in the back you know, and threw me up papers. But it was for me, it was a blessed moment that I allowed them to share in my suffering, which then brought about incredible joy 
for all of us. And it's a memory that we all have now. So there is a cost of discipleship. So one of my lines I say to people all the time, you know, about when they say they're going to go into ministry, I say, you know what? It's not easy, but it is so good. Mm-hmm. It is so good. And it may not be in the way in which you realize, but there is a cost. You really, there really are costs of discipleship. And, but if we look and we trust, uh, it's so good. And I, I, I struggle with this every day in my, in my life, just the struggles of not having enough money and having six children. And now they're all in college and trying to, you know, go to Catholic school. And I, how do I, how am I going to make it this month? Uh, that being said, you know, I, I, they, I can't take all these other things to heaven, but I can take my children mm. and I can take my relationships. I'm, I'm writing a book right now. It's called Packing for Death and all the things that you need for the day of death. And then, and then the sequel, I've just got a kind of sketched out Packing for Heaven. And a lot of what we're talking about are the thoughts that have helped me to define in my own mind, okay, what do I need to pack for heaven? What do I need to pack for death? And this cost of discipleship is really forming me in that. Anyway, sorry, that was my long, long-winded speech, but thanks for listening. Yeah, I'm, I need Kleenexes now. I know. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so that was beautiful. Really beautiful. That was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and there's probably people out there that are, you know, in a similar situation that are, that are trying and maybe having them to work a second or third job. And, but like you said, there's, there's um, I think there's something to, you know, God is inviting us to participate in his plan to redeem the world. And I think... Not that we need to look at it as, you know, what's in it for us, but he's inviting us to play a part in that. And when we do, the outcome is joy. You know, like it may, it might come, not might, it will come with this cost of discipleship, but the outcome um, is joy. I remember a couple of weeks ago, the reading at Mass was about um, John the Baptist when he's in prison. And uh, his disciples come to him. And he asked them to go to Jesus and say, make sure, basically, make sure that's the guy we think he is. And then this, they go to Jesus, and Jesus tells them, basically, go back and tell John what you've seen and heard, that yes, I am you know, the Messiah he was talking about. And I've always found it interesting. It's never been preached about this this um, kind of angle that I bring this up, because there's this, it's, it's always really spoken to me being in ministry and the idea of the cost of discipleship because here's John the Baptist and, and Jesus says of all people born of a woman, born of a woman, none were more, I forget the term he uses, but um, more honored or something like that upon, among men, meaning John the Baptist. So here is this guy who of all, of all the people born of woman, he's the most honored or whatever term they use. And here he is in prison. And so he did exactly what he was supposed to do and prepared the way for Jesus. And he's in prison. He probably thought, at least I would have thought if I was him, okay, now Jesus is on the scene. Like, he's going to come bust me out of prison any day now. But he doesn't. And then he asks his disciples, go make sure that's the right guy. Maybe sure we got the right guy. That's the Jesus that we think he is. And he comes back and he says, yep, that's it. he's the guy you think he is. And he's not busting you out of prison. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think there's just this sense of like, that's just how, that's just what discipleship is. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a cost, but um, the outcome of that is joy. And like you said, we get to bring our um, our kids to heaven and um, our families to heaven. And what a beautiful thing that is. So, man, thank you for sharing. That was... <laughs> that was really beautiful. Yeah, that was um, awesome. I was just, uh, I was trying to find a particular verse that St. Paul writes 
And this isn't it, but it, it kind of captures that, that idea. He writes in 2 Corinthians 1, <clears throat> 5 through 7, For as Christ's suffering sufferings overflow to us, so through Christ does our encouragement also overflow. If we are afflicted, it is for your encouragement and salvation. If we are encouraged, it is for your encouragement, which enables you to endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is firm, for we know that as you share in the sufferings, you also share in the encouragement. So true. God, God, thank you for sharing that. Um, there, there's, it, God is not going to shy away from you know, giving us this, this challenge that we stand on this precipice between faith and doubt, hope and despair, that Christ went through that as well. And Christ, you know, uh, entrusts that to us. He isn't saying, okay, I'm going to tempt you. He's, he actually entrusts that same challenge, that same cross to us. It's in those times that, that um, we're strongest, I think, when we're, we are not doing it on our own. And it's because of him. Sometimes we forget that. And it's in those moments that we, when we really have to lean on him, that we're reminded that it's, not about us, you know. Well, we Absolutely. should probably thank you. Um, we should probably wrap up. Anybody want to have any last thoughts before we go? Um, I just want to, to say to all of our, um, all two of our listeners out there that um, uh, thanks for listening, and um, <laughs> please send us suggestions if if you if you um, want uh, us to cover anything in particular, send it send, send it in. Um, let us know. Um, if you have any criticisms, um, you can direct those to Tom McCabe. Um, and uh, <laughs> no, but real, um, for real, please, um, please let us know what you think and, and give us some suggestions of what you want us to talk about. Um, Risa, they should send that to what's that email address? They can send that to podcasts, plural, at ascensionpress.com. Podcasts at ascensionpress.com. All right. You guys want any final thoughts or closing remarks? No, just that you got your uh, you got your brawny flannel shirt on today, you know. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. all right, all right. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for listening. No, we're praying for you. Um, keep up the good work, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>